Welcome to the Zebra MD podcast, a podcast designed so that we achieve our true full potential. In our episode today, we have Dr. Abbas Manvivala. He is a unique internal medicine doctor who has an academic job at university hospitals at Case Western Reserve University, and he's the founder of Med Contracts, a contract negotiation company of doctors and for doctors that helps you get the best out of your contract negotiation. Also, he is an advisor for the Hartman Virzi Consulting Company. As you see, he's a doctorpreneur who balances medicine on one hand and the world of finance and investing on the other. He's our perfect Zebra MD. Let's get directly to it so that we learn more from him. Dr. Abbas, welcome to the show. Thanks, Achindia, man. Excited to be here. Congrats on the first episode. Excited to hear what you guys come up with. Before before everything else, like I really want to know where, where this all started, right? Where we so doctor and then now doctor entrepreneur and now investor. Tell 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 me more about this. Yeah, it's a really ex- interesting kind of story behind it. I think, you know, like most people, I obviously grew up in a immigrant household here in the States. My dad was a physician. And I actually, when I was growing up, most of my childhood, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And even kind of going into college, I, I still didn't really know. I you know, had a couple of side hustles growing up. And then when it was time to kind of make the decision, like, what are you going to do with your life? Like med school kind of seemed like the default answer at the time. Mm. And it just naturally, as I went through med school and residency, I, I just met a lot of really incredible people in my life that kind of inspired me to go down this entrepreneurship pathway. It's not something I planned for. It's something that I always knew that really interested me. And that's kind of how one thing led to another. And so, you know, in terms of each one of the, my kind of projects that I've been working on the last couple of years, it's kind of a unique story on its own. So I'm happy to kind of dive into it. Oh, that's, that's great. So before med school, what did you have like any business background or anything in marketing? Okay. It's really funny. So I'm like completely open and honest about this. I used to be an event planner. Oh, wow. So I would plan social events. I was like a social chair most of my life and like probably starting like in college, especially when I was 18 years old. So I would plan big parties and events. So I did philanthropy events. So, you know, with that, I think comes like this natural ability. You're kind of a salesman, right? You have to be able Mm. to promote your events. You got to market it. You got to learn how to like manage a budget. Yeah. So I did that from when I was like about 18 to actually 30 years old. Oh, wow. I like used to be a side time event planner. That's and great. so that was kind of my hustle, quote unquote, for a while. And as you kind of do those things, I naturally learned more about business and like some of the mechanics and logistics that go into it. Uh-huh. And really, I think it was in my second year of residency. That's where I really got serious. And I was like, you know what? I think there's another avenue that I want to go down besides just clinical medicine. Okay. You know, kind of diving into a little bit more, you know, about some of the things that I do right now. So, you know, we, we founded a company called Med Contracts, mm-hmm. And so we are a physician consulting firm kind of specifically focusing on contract review and negotiation services for physicians. And so, you know, and again, I know I'm kind of going off on a rant here, but I think one of the things that I realized pretty early on is that entrepreneurship, I think, is about found, finding a problem first. Right. And so what we really did is that as I went through, especially my med school days and early residency days, I saw this common problem coming up that mm-hmm. doctors just lack business knowledge. Right. They, no one teaches them about entrepreneurship. 
no one teaches them about contracts. No one teaches them about how to like actually negotiate your first job. Mm-hmm. And so based on that problem is how we eventually came up with the solution. And that's how med contracts was kind of born. No, that's, that's super exciting. And actually building up on that. So you said, and I think that's where I'm, I am at also that doctors don't get as much, you know, business side of things. And we don't, don't really like to talk about the things, everything called money. So, yeah, yeah. so you get this idea in second year, then what do you do about it? Because I get multiple ideas and I'm sure like every, every listener has, has multiple ideas in their mind. That's a great question. I think what kind of came to me initially was the mission of med contracts now honestly started with education. And so once I kind of saw this problem, mm-hmm. my, my PGY3 year when I was in internal medicine residency, I actually came up my senior project. So all the PGY3s were required to do a senior project. And so mine was the business of medicine where wow. I kind of went into a deep dive about, okay, well, how do doctors get paid? Hmm. What is the difference between academics and private and locums and VA jobs? Right. And it started off primarily just as education and hmm. really helping to kind of teach our fellow co-residents and the medical students as well about the business side of medicine. And so that's where it started. And about after two, three years of doing that, of of kind of creating a business and medicine curriculum, Mm. I actually had a friend approach me and he, and by this time I was also helping my like friends and other kind of like residents who came after me, I would help them negotiate their contracts. So I was already a practicing academic hospitals at the time. Right. And a friend approached me. He's like, Hey, I I heard you do this. I, I think there's a cool business concept out of this. So, you know, at this time, yes, I had my side hustles, but I was a very naive entrepreneur Uh and we basically sat down over a couple of weeks and we brainstormed this, like, okay, how do we transform this, this curriculum Mm -hmm. into some sort of company and and a legitimate business? And, Mm -hmm. And that's basically how we started. That's, that's great. So if I think about it, so when you were starting the curriculum, you were actually learning a lot more about it. And teaching would be actually, you know, reinforce all that learning. So I think that's a, like a very good strategy, right? So to learn about the business you're going to. So was during the curriculum development, you came across other business models who were already doing this? I think so. What's really interesting to me is we were coming up with the company. We pretty quickly realized there was no, no one doing this. Oh, wow. There, there was no one out there that actually incorporates physicians mm. in the contract review negotiation process. So that was the unique aspect of med contracts is right. that we have board certified business savvy physicians who are trained in mm. contract negotiation, specifically based off of different coursework and, and things that we studied mm. that incorporated them in the process. Right. Mm. And, you know, to answer your question, I think the first thing that I did is it was just a time period in my life. I lived in Chicago at the time mm-hmm. and I just came across a lot of like dope ass people uh-huh. who were doing like really cool things. Oh wow! So, you know, just kind of some of the friends that I had met there were entrepreneurs, were CEOs, were CFOs mm-hmm. of various companies. Right. And so it was really for me, and I think so much of medicine too, clinical medicine is about mentorship. Mm-hmm. I just happened to find the right mentors at the right time as this idea was kind of brewing. And so for me, I think I was just really lucky that it all kind of came together the way it did. That's, that's very fascinating. So did you ever go out of your way to find mentors or was it just the way that they, you know, they come came naturally to you? Absolutely. I mean, one of the things that I pretty soon realized, and, and I think as a, as a good, not only just as a good physician, but as a good 
entrepreneur, a good leader in general, you have to like pretty quickly acknowledge what you don't know. Mm -hmm. And so I have always been like, you know, when I don't know something, I'm not going to act like I do. I like will ask for help. Mm. And so entrepreneurship for me, especially starting a company and, you know, I I had no idea what I was doing. Like I, I did clinical medicine my whole life. Mm -hmm. I don't have an MBA. Mm -hmm. It's not like I had a business background. Mm. You know, I had this, like I said, I'm going to keep calling a side hustle. And I I knew a little bit about marketing and, you know, attracting my target demographic and those type of things. I I knew a little bit about it. That was Mm -hmm. Mm self-taught. But to me, I went out of my way to find mentors. Okay. So I, like I said, through my direct network Mm -hmm. and through kind of friends of friends would reach out to people who were in similar spaces as me. Right. And when I mean similar spaces, it could be, you know, there was a couple of people who were in healthcare security and it started a healthcare tech security company. There were people who were in, again, they were doing an online kind of consulting platform, which is similar to what we did and what we do right now. Hmm. And in those type of like natural organic relationships, I would pick their brain on every single thing. Hmm. So like, Hey, how do I structure equity or Hey, how do I like build this? How do I form an LLC? And then what are some of the type of things I should be thinking about? Mm. Oh, if I bring in employees, how do I pay them? Like, should they be 1099? Should it be direct employees? Mm. All these are questions that I had to reach out to other people. I had great mentors who like helped guide me along the way. That's, that's great. Uh, so yeah. because just if I take a practical example of just developing this podcast and when I was also trying like had these, these thoughts and you, you know, you open up, Apple podcasts, and there are so many of them. Uh, in DDW, I met a couple of doctors who were actually podcasters also. And I, I asked them similar questions. So I, as you said this, I just realized, yes, there's always been mentoring is such an important part. Mm-hmm. But what, what I struggle with is some, sometimes I fear that the idea will get outright rejected or they will mm-hmm. never feel that I like, you know, talking to me or mentoring me may not be worth their time. Did you ever have those experiences? I I think so. I mean, I think I definitely did. A, I remember thinking like, is someone just going to steal my idea and run with it? Yeah, that's a big thing. That was another concern that I had. Was like, will someone take this and take it for themselves? Or someone who's higher, more experienced than I am, like who's done this before. Like I, I knew in my heart it was a great idea, but I, that was something that was a definitely a concern of mine. And so to answer your question, I think I, I never felt and what I pretty soon realized is that there are more people out there like willing to help than you think. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it, it's almost like in, in clinical medicine, right? Like when we're in med school versus when we're in residency to, especially if you're an academic attending mm-hmm. you like, it's part of the process that you're supposed to pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things I love most in my clinical job now is to be a mentor to people who are either residency or med school or like, you know, maybe a med student today, I had a conversation with who wants to do hemonc right. and wants to do internal medicine. So that type of mentorship, like it's enjoyable. And I think mm. a lot of people find it's their duty to do that. Mm. And so I, like I said, never really faced, you know, backlash or ever faced like criticism from people who like reached out to prevent or they're always like more than willing to help. Mm. So I, I think it's like, it's kind of, it's people that are more, I think in general, we're more scared to reach out. Mm. because we feel sometimes either embarrassed like oh well like, you know you don't want to be a burden to someone or something like that so that's the way that i kind of viewed it that's interesting and i would just you know go delve more into the last part of what you said so mm-hmm. that fear that i don't want to be a burden or that fear like oh i'll be mocked 
or, oh, this is such a stupid idea. You know, that inner mm -hmm. critic, mm -hmm. how do you manage that? How do you, do you ever fear that people will think of you less of a doctor because you're now also an entrepreneur? How do you go that, about that? That was something I struggled with a lot, mm. especially early, early on. Even I remember my PGY three years, I came up with this curriculum and I was working on the project. I like, you know, it's kind of in the Daisy world, you know, we have this expression like, mm -hmm. right. Which is like, basically like, what, what will people think? Right. And obviously, as you mentioned, I think money in medicine and even entrepreneurship in medicine is still kind of a taboo kind of topic that mm -hmm. people don't really talk about that much. So initially I did have those fears, the, the, like, kind of like, you know, am I doing, am I going way too far out of the box? Mm. And so I think the way that I kind of got over that was a, I just realized that the impact that I'm making in this company was something that is going to have a long lasting impression and impact on like residents and students. Right. So going back to the mission of why we started med contracts in the first place, mm. I like was able to kind of like self, what's the word that I'm looking for? I was able to just kind of realize like we, we were having a legitimate good impact on people. Mm. Right. And so that was the first step to mm. me that like got over that fear. You know, the other thing that I think is too, is, you know, everyone's kind of got their own in entrepreneurship world. Like you have a reason of why you do things and why you're starting in the first place. Right. So having a mission, a, a true mission mm. that you can like look back to on like why your company was started is really important. And I still look back to our mission quite a bit. Ours mm. is pretty simple. It's three words, educate, empower, advise. Mm. Those are three words that we kind of like stand for. And that's our slogan. You know, it's something that we incorporate into a lot of our branding. And again, at the end of the day, when you have a mission like that, I think it becomes relatively easy to like, then, you know, self-advocate for why you're doing it. Oh, that's superb. That's actually very inspiring and also, you know, insightful because I personally, I can, and I, I know many people who are on the same page as I am when we are, when I am thinking about a new task or new topic first is like, is, am I even capable of doing it? Mm -hmm. Right. So just like I am not a very social person. And as, as I'm listening to you, I'm like, oh, wow, he was a um, social magnet before and he was a party animal. <laughs> by no means a magnet. By no means uh, a yeah. But, uh, and then you have this charm that I, as I'm talking to you, I can, you know, feel it. So, but then what were your limitations that you, were there anything that you felt, oh, this is my absolute limitation? That I a lot of things. Um, okay. A lot of limitations, right? And it, and it goes back to the fact that I knew pretty like right away, I knew what I didn't know. Hmm. And I, you can try to do as much self teaching and self learning as you can, especially in the entrepreneurship world. Like no one in med school or residency is going to teach you how to start a company. Right. Right. Like we have so many other things to learn yeah. in clinical medicine that that's just not something that anyone's ever going to teach you. Sure. And so I think again, finding the right mentors who have done it, And they might be outside of the healthcare landscape. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the people, like I just told you, were more MBA, MHAs, you know, people who had significant business and econ, like those type of backgrounds. And then the first thing that I did, and that has still really, really helped me to this day, is I built a team around me mm -hmm. of people who knew all of my limitations and wow. who could provide expertise and guidance in those particular fields. So, you know, I'm not a marketer. I don't know anything about advertising, like the logistics of 
search engine optimization and all these type of things. So I went out and I got a marketer, right, mm-hmm. who works for iHeartRadio, and that's all she's done her entire career. Wow. You know, obviously, you know, Inzer, it was, a, it was a, a good friend of both of ours. Inzer is an incredible graphic designer and social media expert. I don't know anything about social media, right? Like people make right. fun of my, like my Instagram all the time. So I right away, again, knew I needed that person since that's such a huge part of marketing and advertising nowadays mm. from a running a business. I have never run a business before. I've never had a startup. I don't know about basic budgeting and, you know, building a pitch deck and all these type of things. So I got a business manager who is an MBA who runs a home health agency hmm. and knows all the like intricacies that go into running it, an actual business. So it's those type of, uh, I think, moves that you have to be a little bit strategic about early on. So as you build a company, no matter what the idea is, hmm. know your limitations and then build the right team around you of people that can help you to, to know and build up your limitations. Wow. That's, that's really key. Yeah, that uh, that part of things I actually even never thought about it um, about building a team. So, what what this team? So, do you, did you have to generate a period of capital, take a loan? Mm-hmm. Did you have early investors? How did you do, go about like getting people to believe that you know they can trust you with your with their money? That's a that's a great question. So, I think it depends. There's a lot of different ways I think to structure you know startups. So what we decided to do specifically is we, a lot of our company was based off of sweat equity, Mm -hmm. right? So like people are earning equity in the company based on the work that they do, right? We we actually kind of bootstrap everything ourselves. So all of our startup costs we did internally, Mm -hmm. right? And that's just part of the startup world. And in in general, like you have to reward people, I, I think, for the time that they put in. So like, you know, our company obviously is still very, very early on. Like, you know, we've just launched less than a year ago. It's been kind of ongoing for about the last two years or so. And so we, you know, are still figuring out ways that we can compensate our, our people appropriately. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times people are working for free and that's, you know, most startups, as you know, don't make any profit the first couple of years. Right. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of plan for that. But then at the same time, I think as a founder, you right. have to think about, well, people are putting in their time, especially mm. since time is so limited. How do I pay them in the future? So you're obviously always thinking about those type of things. But for my company specifically, one of our company, you know, like I said, we primarily do sweat equity at this time. Mm. Wow. Mm. It's interesting. And then, so coming back, so you had this idea, you built the curriculum, you now have the team and now rubber hits the road moment. Right. So you go on. Were there surprises, things you'd never expected? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's always moments where you're like, oh man, I wish I would have done this, but I wish I would have done. Yeah. And when things go wrong, right? Like that is the natural trajectory, I think, of any company, any really anything in life, right? Like life, you just hit roadblocks and things right. sometimes don't go the way that you want. You know, thinking there's like, I mean, all sorts of examples I, I can think of in my mind where you kind of have to troubleshoot, right? Mm-hmm. And for me, I think a lot of this just, it's, it's a personality trait on how you handle obstacles mm-hmm. when things don't go your way, you know, right. from, uh, you know, I'm sure just life in general, there's been plenty of times where life don't, doesn't go my way. Right. And for me, I think it's the natural then competitive drive that kind of kicks in. Where I'm mm. like, if someone, you know, if something doesn't go my way, I'm going to do, it's going to make me want to work that much harder. Right. And, and that's the way I kind of have approached all of those kind of hurdles or barriers so far. Right. 
That's 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 what that's something that I always struggle with, and then I think a lot of people do actually. That when things don't go our way, and there's a tendency to dwell in the past, mm-hmm. and you know you are in in your mind, you're thinking about those thoughts. You feel like, oh, I should have done this, or I wish this happened this way, or I did not go there in the first place. Any so if I am your mentee, or if you have a mentee, say. Mm-hmm. 10 years down the line and now you're a billionaire and you, from your experience today, you had to give them a gift or a book or something, which is of low value today, like hundred dollars so that we can all mm. go and buy it. Uh-huh. What would that one thing be? So it's, it's an interesting question. I am not a huge, like I don't read a lot of books. I'll be honest with you. I'm like a much more like I'll read articles or I'll listen to podcasts. That's where I did a lot of my education. But there was a book called Never Split the Difference by Chris mm-hmm. Voss. Yeah. Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Very interesting. And I'll be honest with you. It's probably one of the like, I've read maybe three books in the last like two or three years. And it's mm-hmm. one of the ones I read. It is actually about like an FBI negotiator. So this right. was a guy who did hostage negotiation. Mm. specifically in like armed robberies and you know whatever it might be yeah and it's about the art of negotiation and so it's how he takes his concepts Mm. in hostage negotiation and applies them to life and business right so really really interesting book that has taught me a lot about a different perspective about the art of negotiation especially since obviously our company med contracts we we help physicians advocate and empower and negotiate right that's what we do uh-huh. And so that was a really, really interesting book that I think any entrepreneur can take a lot out of. And not only just in your professional and business life, right. but in your personal life as well. So, so that's one thing. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think the other thing I would say is like a good organizer, like a good planner organizer, whether that's an app on your phone or, you know, I actually bought like an actual planner where I have like dates and stuff. I wasn't organized at all before, uh-huh. but since entering this life, you know, it's just time is limited, right? Like you have your right. clinical job, you got your you know, startup world, you got other you know, personal life. So to right. really stay organized, I think that's been one thing that's been really instrumental for me. Oh, that's, that's very uh, helpful. And actually I also read, I'm in the process of hearing the audiobook. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah, I really enjoyed the, the book and how he goes through the various sequences and events that have happened. And it's amazing how, how, you know, how people approach different scenarios mm-hmm. and the emotional um, balance that you require to, you know, stay calm. To go through that. Um, I really, I second that. I really love that book. So if like, again, so now you're an entrepreneur and you have a business going on on the side, do you ever feel that it impacts your education or if you like your medicine side of things or, or you feel like, Oh, I needed more time ever. There's times where it can definitely be overwhelming, right? Okay. I'm not going to like sit here and say that there's times where I'm like, you know what, why did I go into both of these? Or maybe I should just pick one of them. Hmm. But for me, I think I was a little bit more intentional about my long-term career decision because I knew this was something that was really important to me. Mm. So for me, like clinical medicine. So again, I am a academic hospitalist. I'm an oncology hospitalist that practices here in Cleveland. And I like love, love, love working with residents and students. Mm. So to me, like even my entrepreneur life revolves around teaching and, and I really enjoy that in my clinical aspect as well. 
but you, I think you have to make sacrifices, right? Like there are times where you sacrifice a lot of times it is personal life. So, you know, it's, it's tough to have a full-time clinical medicine career and an entrepreneur career at the same time. Mm. So that's the biggest thing, you know, there's times where you might miss similar to like residency where you have to sacrifice. I think this life you also have to sacrifice, but you know, I, one thing that you can't sacrifice Mm. is obviously patient care. Right. Right. So to me, like I am still always a doctor first in my professional life. Right. And this is second. Mm -hmm. But the nice thing is, is, you know, my career in being a hospitalist, I have a little bit more flexibility with my schedule. And and, and that's one of the reasons I chose this field as well. So I can have time to kind of work on my passion projects. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And then a part of me also is, you know, I is yelling inside me to ask you this question. Procrastination. Like before what you were doing, because you have so many different tasks, are you driven by deadlines or are you driven by a vision? What drives you daily? Ooh. <laughs> hmm. Both. Loaded Simple question. answer is both. Okay. But I think I, in a former past life, I was always a procrastinator. Okay. Like I, I thrived off of like pressure and knowing like a deadline was coming up. Right. That's when I would like, honestly, I would think the best as well. Okay. But I think, you know, one of the things that the last two, three years, I've definitely had to switch over, mm. right? And and be more inspired by the vision component, right? Because there's just too much that you got to get done. Mm. And, you know, one of the things that I, that I always tell people, there is no blueprint for this. So like what we're trying to do with our company, it doesn't really exist. So right. there is no map or blueprint that you can follow to get you to whatever your end destination is. If I decide that I don't want to do anything for med contracts for a week, right. 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 And don't like, you know, have, have kind of try to lead our team. Nothing mm-hmm. gets done. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It, so it's, it's really up to you and your vision for what you want your company to be. Uh-huh. And so with that, I've had to have, you know, have that vision and have to drive and, and kind of like, you know, put the procrastination to the side. And, uh-huh. and that's kind of one of the things that I've had to do and make that change. Wow. That's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I think that the feeling of having your own child, right? That's what makes the difference. It's this is your baby. Like it's a little bit different, right? Because when you're employed, like I said, most obviously physicians are employed by either huge healthcare systems or you know academic hospitals or private practice, whatever you might be. Right. But when it's your baby, mm-hmm. like when it's your vision, you see it come to life. Just like this podcast is for you, mm-hmm. it just it motivates you in a completely different way. And I think that is the beauty of entrepreneurship in general is that you can take whatever it is that you're really passionate about uh-huh. and you can put your own spin on it. And mm-hmm. it's hard to do that. I think in clinical medicine a little bit. Right. So is this because this is your baby and like projects mm-hmm. and the, the other problem that comes up later on is consistency. Right. And I, I want to know from the, the earlier stages, because that would be the time where people did not really know you or didn't trust their company. And now I think they know you much better. I've had several people, you know, who have had much more income now, thanks to you and your company, but like beginning phases. So how do you stay consistent and, you know, overcome that phase when you're not getting the results you expected? It's, it's a struggle. And there's definitely moments. There's like, it's, there's peaks and valleys. Like, especially when you lead a team, when something like say a a big accomplishment happens Mm. or we, 
you know, for example, we had our, I remember our first big client win, or for example, we, we like helped our client get a substantial amount of money, like financial compensation in their negotiations. And everyone's feeling really, really good. Motivation picked up big time. Mm. The things that we were needing to get done, I think people were really, really working hard. And then once that kind of wore off, yeah. the motivation kind of plummets a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. So consistency, I think that's your job as a leader to kind of figure out ways to keep, aka, you know, just like the expression, your troops motivated. Right. That, that's one of the things that I struggle with still. Mm. And, and even internally, there's definitely moments where I am like fully driven on med contracts. And that's all I think about, all I work on. And there's times where I'm just like, Ugh, I like pull back a little bit. Right. Yeah. So it, it kind of goes back to like, I, I personally have to sometimes go back to, okay, like, why are we doing this at the end of the day? And it's really the, the mission statements and the desire to make an impact to help our other physician colleagues get better employment terms yeah. and the education mission that kind of started it all in the first life back when I was a residency. Like I need that to like kind of motivate me and, and, and spark my kind of engine again. So, you know, I think it's very normal I, the, to long answer short. It's very normal to have highs and lows. Right. And, and consistency to me is also setting goals. So mm-hmm. it's a lot easier when you said, Hey, here's our one month goal, our three month goal, our six month goal, our one year, our three year, our five year, having those like metrics in place where we know, okay, this is what we need to accomplish. I think also builds and, and helps you achieve that level of consistency. Right. Cause you, you set objectives for yourself. Right. And are these objectives external or are these more internally driven? Like, Hey, this is the, con- like we need, how do you set these objectives? Because as an entrepreneur, some of these things you don't really know, right? Because you don't know how many people you're going to get this week or this month. Mm-hmm. So how do you set those objectives? Both. And it has to be internally and external. So internally, right. That is like a more motivation thing that we just have to like tap into like our competitive nature on this. Mm. Right. That's one thing, but externally it's a little bit easier, I think. So we'll say, Hey, you know what? Our goal is by December 1st, we're trying to do a hundred clients. Right. And that's our target that we have to hit or, Hey, we're trying to do this much in sales or we're trying to, reach this many people on social media and market our marketing campaign. Our goal is to get 5,000 impressions, right? Those are external kind of measures that are a little bit easier to attain, but it has to be a combination of both. Because I think the other thing is, as a company and as, as people, there's different things that drive and motivate us. Right. For some people, it might be internal for some people it might be the external. Mm. So I think you have to have both. Right. Oh, that's, that makes a lot of sense because the, the reason I ask this is because when we have external motivations, it's so easy to get demotivated, right? Because mm-hmm. you may not get it. It's, it's like getting uh, a grant or an award mm-hmm. and you may not end up getting it uh, because it's in someone else's hand. But the internal motivation like, oh, I need to, you know, say work seven days a week or work out mm-hmm. six days a week. I, I totally understand where you're coming from because that is something I also struggle a lot um, mm-hmm. with like work with I'm in my fellowship and also mm-hmm. like every, every area of life, I should say, I have phases of increase and decrease motivations. Absolutely. And that's normal, right? I think we all, everyone goes through that is yeah. that you'll have phases where it's, it's sometimes it's just really, really tough. Right. And, and that's okay. It's yeah. okay to like, say, you know what, like, this, you know, today I'm just like not feeling, I need to take some time for myself. 
that's one thing that even in medicine, I think it's in clinical medicine, it's, you know, whether you call it burnout, you call it mental health or or whatever you call it. It's just one of those things that sometimes it's a little tough to talk about, but in this world as well, this is why I think having a a good solid team is Mm. so important. And so, you know, I've had, I've had times where I, you know, I've, I remember I messaged my team, like, you know, what guys like, Hey, I'm, I'm like going on vacation. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days. She's just need some time for myself. And, and that is a part, I think of, of entrepreneurship and of clinical medicine as well as to know when you've kind of hit your limit. Right. And, and that is something that, again, you, everyone knows what they need to kind of re equilibrate. And it's an important part. It's just as important as, as all the work that you put in is knowing, Hey, I need to take a couple of steps back. That's great. Yeah. I really, really appreciated your authenticity today. And you've no, gone way beyond what I was expecting. Um, thank you for all your authentic answers. Any parting thoughts? Any parting thoughts to all the trainees and young doctors who may be having, aspiring to, you know, uh, go out there and seize the day? Don't let your, like, I think a lot of times fear holds us back. Hmm. That's the one thing that I would say. And, and, and just based on my own experience, I've had like the desire to go into entrepreneurship and business for a long time. Mm. Even when I was in med school and even undergrad, honestly, like I knew this was something that I wanted to do, but it was that like fear holding me back. Like this is too out of the box. Right. And like, what will other people in the community think? And by the community that might, that again, physician community, your, maybe your own cultural community mm-hmm. because it, it's, it's not the norm. Right. 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 And so I think that's the one thing is that so many people in medicine, especially they have interest and passions outside of just clinical medicine. Right. And a lot of times because it's not something that's often taught, no one really encourages you mm. to say, Hey, if you're an ophthalmologist or, you know, like yourself, you're a gastroenterologist, you can use your clinical expertise, mm. but say your passion is healthcare advocacy and you can find a way that you can, you know, enter this world and use both. Right. Mm. So for me, I like knew, like I genuinely, genuinely love internal medicine, right? I, I love being a, a hospitalist and, and I realized like the teaching part is really, really important to me, mm-hmm. but I also know like, I like this, but this business stuff too. It's like something that genuinely is like my passion and it, in, in interest me in a way, when I wake up every day, I like genuinely enjoy it. And so I was able to find a way where I can do both. Right. Right. Oh, that's and imp- so that's the coolest part about this is that you can use clinical medicine and all of your training that you get throughout residency and fellowship and still do this and make just as big of an impact, if not much larger impact. That's great. And so for me, that's the one thing that I would say to like listeners or, or anyone who's like, maybe hesitant, but like, Hey, I have this idea, but like, I don't know if I can actually pull it off. It just take the first step, you know, take the first step, make those connections, like network, find people who've done it before. And it's, I think it's a really rewarding journey along the way. It's great. That is the reason we call this episode action potential because this is how you let it started. All right. Thank you so much, Abbas. It was great having you here. It was great conversation. And I, I really hope that the listeners got a lot of it. Um, a lot of take-home points from all the discussion. Thank you so much. Thank you. This was awesome. Best of luck to you guys in the future. I think what you're doing is awesome and hopefully it will inspire you know, a whole you know, next generation of physicians to like head into the entrepreneurial world. Thank you so much. Thank you. All you right. Too. 
All right, guys, if you're listening to this, go check out Med Contracts. I have dropped the link in the show notes. And thank you, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you.